specifically the endangered species called the African-American male. And I admire all of what he's done and what he has done uh, in his life. Um, seeing him and my brother come home from Oakwood on their times off, and I think Ivan used to be with you guys, uh, it used to really, really warm my heart. And um, to see him where he is now, just, just, it's, it, it's just overwhelming. So after your special music this morning, the next voice you will hear will be that of Dr. Craig Dossman, Hear ye him.
lie. Uh, some of you are looking at me, but you might not have remembered me, but uh, about 180 pounds ago, I did stand in this pulpit and preach. Uh, Dr. Rock, Dr. Rock was a pastor. Last time I was here, I weighed 350 pounds. Now I weigh 180 pounds. Let the church say it. said, 
I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Again, the first verse in Genesis 17, verse 1, and from that we will pull out the topic for our subject this morning. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be perfect. For just a, a little while, I'm going to speak on the subject, let's take a walk. The Bible speaks in its broadest expanse of the ways in which God desires to communicate with us. The meaning of God's desire, of course, is that the creator is ever anxious to communicate with his creation. He who made us also desires to speak to us. He who stands beyond us and above us is seeking every avenue to keep in touch or to state the matter differently, he who speaks to inert matter and brings worlds into being, he who speaks to nature, who causes flowers to blossom and brooks to bow, he who is the Lord of life, speaks to life at times when we least expect it. And there is a still small voice unmistakably the voice of God who speaks and God speaks to us in every imaginable way. He desires to speak to us. It may be this, this morning that your spiritual journey has brought you to a place where you're no longer able to comprehend the voice of God. But I want you to know that it may be this morning that in the context of a sound-based culture that there are so many competing voices that you are no longer able to distinguish the voice of God. Your prayers may be long and loud, even though your prayers may assault the battlegrounds of evil. When you call heaven, all you get is a busy signal. Perhaps in your struggle to make it from day to day, in your struggle to keep food on the table and the debt collectors away from your door, while you're busy in your busyness, God may be speaking, but you really aren't listening. It may be that in your effort 
to do God's work that you spend so much time doing church work that you don't have enough time to work for God. And in the midst of your groaning and pain, God desires to remain on the periphery of your life. God's desire to not to only know you, but God desires to be known by you. Now this morning, through it all, God wants to speak to us. But most importantly, God wants to speak to you. God desires to speak to you and God desires to converse with you will come quickly to the surface in this text. By the name of a man, Abram. You know Abraham is described in the book as a friend of God. You know Abraham whose name was changed to Abraham because he was chosen to possess the land of Canaan, a part of the land of Ham. You also know that Canaan was an extension of Northeast Africa. And all of Africa was at one time known as the land of Ham. You know Abraham, we call him the father of the faithful. You know Abraham, the husband of Sarah, part-time lover for the black Egyptian queen, woman named Hagar, the father of Ishmael and Isaac. If you are a Bible student, then you know that in chapter 12, God has made a promise to Abraham that if we would, he would leave where he is and go to the place that God would direct him, God promised to bless him. If you are a Bible student, you know that Abraham gathered up all his belongings, packed his bags, leaves his house, going off to search a land, the location of which he does not know. And he does all this because God has promised to bless him. If you are a Bible student, you know that Abraham is five days older than dirt. Sarah is as barren as the day is long. They know nothing about obstetrics or gynecology. There is no plan for in vitro infertilization. And Sarah's clock has ticked its last time. One million bottles of Viagra could not give old Abraham enough strength to roll over on top of old wrinkle up Sarah. But God made them a promise. God had promised to make of his seed, a great nation. 
In chapter 12, listen to me now. In chapter 12, God makes a promise. And then in chapter 21, God fulfills that promise. But before the promise in chapter 12 of Genesis and the revealing or the revelation of that promise in chapter 21, you got to stop by chapter 17 before you can get what God has for you. And so in chapter 17, God says in short, let's take a walk. While you might not quite understand it, there is a message in this text for you and for me. The first message is that God has promised a blessing for your life. In the place of your deepest disappointment, God has reserved a blessing for you. In spite of the emptiness and the barrenness of your personal circumstances, God has a blessing for you in mind. At the center of your greatest need, at the site of your most desperate situation, at the intersection of your forsakenness and emptiness and loneliness, God has a blessing with your name written all over it. What is a blessing? I'm glad you asked. Deuteronomy says, and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and do all of his commandments which I command you this day that the Lord thy God will set thee upon all nations of the earth and all these blessings will come upon thee and overtake thee if thou will hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. What is a blessing? David said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What is a blessing? Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding, and in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy path. What is a blessing? Jesus said, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink or even what you shall wear. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. The first message is that God has promised a blessing for your life. The second message is this, that God always keeps his promise. 
I need to back up, if you will. I don't want you to miss anything. You notice that in Genesis, the 17th chapter, and the first verse, God introduces himself, but he does not introduce himself as Jehovah God. Normally when God introduces himself and throws out his curriculum vitae or his business card, his name is always Jehovah Jireh. But this time he introduces himself that I am the Lord thy God. What he's saying is that I am El Shaddai. And El Shaddai simply means this. God is enough. I'm all you need. I don't need no help. I don't need any assistance. I don't need boys to hang with me. I don't need, I don't need your ideas. I don't, I don't need your degrees. You might have more degrees than a thermometer, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit, I am enough. If you're sick, I'm enough. If you're broke, I'm enough. If your marriage is on the rocks, I'm enough. You don't need to talk to a butcher, baker, or candlestick maker. I am El Shaddai. Whatever you need, I come packaged with all of it. Walk before me, nobody else, and be thou perfect. When you are afloat in a boat with no place to land, when you, like Moses, have nothing in your hand but a stick. When you feel the heat of Nebuchadnezzar's flames licking all on your bodies. When you look like lunch in the lion's den. It's easy to believe that God has forsaken you. But just at the time that Noah was about to give up, God remembered. Just about the time when Moses was about to go down, God remembered. Just about the time when the three Hebrew boys were about to be toast, God remembered. Just about the time when Daniel was about to be a happy meal, God remembered. Is there anybody here? Maybe I'm not talking about myself, but is, but is there anybody here at your deepest moments of despair? When the doors were shut and the shades were down and after all your happy, fake smile, when you got by yourself, and you look in your mirror and you realize that God is enough. Yeah. 
wish I had a witness this morning, Lord, that God will remember you. I wish I had a witness, Lord, God will neither leave you, neither forsake. In case I forgot to tell you, the only reason that you are here today and the only reason why I'm here today because God keeps his promises. Great in fact, when you just look back over your life and you see where God brought you from, you know that God is faithful. Pastor Matthew, you woke up this morning in time and not in because God keeps his promise. Debbie, you walked away from the hospital because he's still a doctor in the city. You were protected when you didn't even know you were protected. Because the Bible says he sends his angels to bear thee up, lest you should dash your feet against the stone. I'm, I'm just here to tell you that God will keep his promise. I don't know how you feel about it, but God has been good to me. I'm here to tell you that you can count on him. You can depend on him. You can rely on him because, Melvin, God always keeps his Between the promise and the fulfillment of the blessing. Before you get too anxious for God to do for you what he's promised that he would do. Before you can get to where you're going, I want you to be sure that you get, God says, where I'm going. So let's take a walk. So when Abraham is 99 years old, I'm here, and he says to Abraham, I am El Shaddai. Walk before me 
this relationship. A walk says you are willing to listen when I'm ready to talk. A walk says that where you're going, I want to go with you. I love to walk with my wife. I love the time that we can spend together. About 12 days ago, we had a place called Camden. Those of you old and young who can Google, yeah, I'll Google Cambria, California. C A M B R I A. It puts Malibu and Carmel all together to shame. It's the secret of, of Central and Northern California. It's just, it's just nothing. Can I take a few minutes free to market to these miracles? Some of you happy, and some of you look like the first cousin to a sour pitch. Can I tell you what you need to do? to put some up and life in your relationship. Now this is the first. When I was married, 40 years ago, before I got married, I got a word from a Christian psychologist who basically gave two words of great advice. He said, number one, he said, never go to bed angry with each other. We know what the Bible said, don't let the sun go down on you and about it. So, now, hey, let's be honest. Sometimes we stay up to 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. Amen. And sometimes, amen, you can't solve all your problems in 24 hours, but what you can do is you can make a deal. You can at least say, look, babe, I know that we're going through some difficult times. But look, I don't care what we're going through. We know that the Lord put us together. And what the Lord put together, let no Thank <laughs> you. 
We've been married for 40 years, so do your math. We did five-year contracts. Man, this is how you don't take your wife around. Up here, you look all bored and tired. You know, women are amazing. They love you. Hey, I used to have folks, Britta Taylor, Tuesday and Taylor, I had a big afro. Do you see one now? <laughs> My wife is still with me. We changed.
not walking with him. God never told everybody to pray. Anybody can pray. Every Greek can pray. James said that demons believe in and tremble. I'm here to tell you that your prayer is pointless if you're not walking with him. I'm coming straight. God didn't even tell Abraham to preach. But your preaching is sounding brass and tinkling cymbals if you're not walking with him. That's why I know Brother Emerson's family, I know this family for many, many years. That's why I told Brent. that might impress. But if I stand up here and I put sound in brass and take the symbols, after a few minutes it'll be like this. And sometimes if I am blowing a trumpet and if you're not walking with God, you still like this.
expecting to come through. We get all these fall apart. We wonder why, what's going wrong with us, and why is it that nothing happens. But this kind of walking with God is a walk when you're just looking for something. Don't say nothing. I'm getting deep now. There are folks who come to God, and the only reason why you serve God is because you want him to give from You think he's some everlasting Santa Claus. But I've learned in my life, it's a blessing. If God doesn't give me nothing, he's blessed me enough just to be alive. And the walking is a blessing unto itself. about a walk when you're comfortable with nothing if nothing happens. I don't want to walk with somebody or, or, or I don't want to walk with such and walk and do just what you expect to get something. That person calls you up on the phone and you know you don't normally don't see that phone very often. Even if they send you a text, you have to Respond back, who is this? And then they finally break it down after they give, give you all the pleasantries. They're going to tell you what they want. I want someone who has a good time just being with me. You don't have to say anything. I remember when I first met my wife. Most people do not realize it. Do you know from, from junior high school, you all, I never had a girl. All these guys talking and saying little things, the girl just giggling and laughing and stuff. I said, what they saying? You know, and so I was afraid, Brent, that if I didn't say the right thing, I'd get turned from hot to cold. They'd turn me off. And so I'm afraid to say anything. Then when I got a, when I became a man, I understood that women don't like foolishness. They like a man to be a man and to be honest and to talk about their fears and talk about their hopes and talk about their frustration and talk about their pains and talk about their desires. And they want someone just to be real. And that's when I transitioned from asking God for a girlfriend to a wife. Stop wasting your time and wasting your money with someone who's not yours. It, you, you know, this ain't like a pair of shoes. How do you shift gears and get them? Walk with me and be thou perfect. If we walk together, the greatest source of my joy is not just waiting. Some folks, they don't call on Jesus. They call on Jesus like they call on, on the firemen or the policemen or 911. It got to be an emergency before you call on the Lord. But if you call on him before something happens, he'll be there when something happens. 
shall I do if nothing happens? David says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. What shall I do if nothing happens? They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings with an eagle. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. The first danger of this walk is the danger that nothing will happen. The second danger on this walk with God is the danger that everything will happen. Nothing will happen. Let's pray to the Father this morning. Dear Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you have given us your word. God, we thank you, Lord God, that you have given us your instructions. God, we thank you, Lord God, that you for me and be thou perfect. Those implications about our walking before God, we need them. I don't know about you, but if I'm walking somewhere at night, I, I kind of like the backup. I, I like somebody beside me. But God says, walk before me, which means that God is constantly assessing our lives. He's looking at us. If you walk behind him, it's like you're trying to hide from him. Or he got to search or run you down. But he says, walk before me. And while you're walking before me, I am able to observe you and I can I will control your conduct and you'll be aware that if I'm in your presence, I've got to walk. Watch how I walk. If I know I'm walking in front of God and God is observing me and God is watching me, if I'm walking before him, that tends to adjust my attitude. If I know that I'm walking before him, it says that the thoughts that are out of his sight, and that means that my activities are altered. Walking before him also him, I could lose my step, and before you know it, I'm so far behind that I can never catch up. But as long as I am walking before him, he can always pull me back when I stray. As long as I'm walking before him, he can pick me up when I fall. me with this unfaltering hand. When I'm walking before him, I know that there will be some transformation in my life. Transformation means that I'm being redirected. Transformation means that I'm walking with God. And if you do not expect any transformation to take place, it's because in his presence, he knows that he has the power change. In this house, the house of the Lord, liars will learn to tell the truth. In this house, drunkards will learn how to throw their bottles away. In this house, 
Drug addicts will find new purpose for their living. In this house, prostitutes would learn self-worth and self-respect. In this house, whoremongers would learn how to go home. In this house, homosexuals would learn to reject a lifestyle that is against nature. In this house, every Jesus would learn his name and come out of the cemeteries of despair. In this house, prodigal sons and prodigal daughters would learn to leave the pigpens of their lives. In this house, in the house that's pleasing to God, transformation will take place in this house. I have a problem with this text because when I walk with him, it says I must be perfect. I don't know about you, but I don't do too well on the perfection scale. You be quiet, but you, you don't do too well too. When I look back over my life, and Paul says, all have sinned, not y'all have sinned, but all have sinned. Do you know the definition of all? It means everybody. Lottie, Dottie, and everybody. All have sinned and come short. But that is not what the word perfect in this text means. It means that in the course of my developing a relationship with God, I am simply made perfect. I am made whole. What occurs is not that I have become holier than thou, but I have become mature in my walk with God. In such a way that my carnal nature gives me a higher expectation. That is the word words, wherever you have a deficit, God says, I have everything to supply that need. You can walk with me. Because no matter how you feel, no matter how you think, no matter how painful it may be at times, all you have to do is say, I will
answers to all my questions. R, he's a rock in the weary land. S, and the shelter in the time of storm. T, he talks for me when I don't even know what to say. U, he understands me when everybody else misunderstands me. V, I'm not what I ought to be, but you ought to thank God I'm not what I used to be. Why? Because every day he gives me victory. W, he's Ezekiel's will in the middle of a will. X, he got x-ray vision. He sees when I'm smiling on the outside. He knows I'm crying on the inside. Why? Because he's Yahweh. Z, he's a zenith of my life. From A to Z, Jesus is everything to me. And he can be your everything right now this morning. Do you want to walk with him? Listen to me. Listen to me. Do you really want to walk with him? The Lord told me to tell you that he has a blessing for you. With your name on it. You might didn't realize it, but God has a blessing for you right now. But he says this. For me and be thou perfect. So I want to ask you a question. Do you want to walk with the Lord right now? Do you really want Him to guide your life? Would you like to walk in front of El Shaddai? If this is your sincere desire, and this is what I'm afraid of people. People, I don't know if you're scared or nervous. I want to relax you. You're in the company of saints. You're at a crossroad in your life and you need some direction and you need to walk. 
of you in pain, some of you have experienced death and tragedy, sickness. Some of you are sick right now. Some of you are sick and you don't even know you're sick. Brandon did not know he had cancer in his body until the month of February. 